Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. I'm your host, as always, Sean DeVries. Thank you so much for tuning in. One area of the market which I haven't touched on in my podcast before is actually talking to people who write and people who tell stories around hospitality in itself. So it's just a blessing to have Wendy Hargraves here today. Wendy, how are you doing? Really well, thanks, Sean. Um, fantastic to have you on a sh- on the show. Obviously, you're a, a, an amazing food journalist. Um, you've got your own TV show now, which we're just talking about. You're on 3AW in uh, on Melbourne Radio. Um, now, in your LinkedIn profile, it says Pro Eater. I've got to understand what that means in whole. So that's really, really cool. Um, but it's just fantastic to have you on because I really wanted to get an understanding of um, of the hospitality industry from a from a writer's perspective. So um, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so how did you start out doing what you're doing at the moment? Because it's so much different to probably a lot of my guests that I've had on before. Well, I, I've been a newspaper journalist since the last century. Shall I be discreet? <laughs> a long time. Um, yes. all, actually, all up, I've been a journo for uh, just over 30 years. So I've, wow, I've been doing really? lots of other stuff before I moved across into the food space about 10 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, politics, health, education, sport, all sorts mm-hmm. of different topics. And then MasterChef yeah. happened. And at the time I was working for the Sunday Herald Sun and the editor called me into his office one day and asked if I liked eating food. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. And yes. was, have a look at the size of my ass and you tell me. <laughs> and then he asked me if I liked cooking and I told him that I hadn't poisoned my children yet. And that was my interview. Right. right. So That's a good and start. I was yes. cool. <laughs> I was really um I was taken aback because back then um with MasterChef just starting, it was really um I saw it as as a um not where I wanted to be. Like I saw it as like the mm. cookery writer, you know, like what right. what is this thing? A bit gimmicky? No, or, I just I was or... just like what this wasn't where I was planning to go. Like, you know, I'd been right. a news journal for a long time. I was writing opinion. I I was the online yeah, editor right. for the for the paper. We just we just wow. had like Saturday, you know, it was all it was a crazy mm. time. Anyway, I uh he said to me, I want you to treat it in a newsy way. Get good contacts, mm-hmm. find out good information. He says you're not allowed to be a wanker. <laughs> so, and, me, and I know that he was referring to my lovely colleagues at Fairfax, who at the time were writing for Epicure and people at yeah. places like Gourmet Traveller, where I've subsequently written as well <laughs> for both Epicure and Gourmet <laughs> Traveller. Um, but he didn't want it to be like that. He wanted it to be very much talking to the consumer. So. The whole uh, the section was launched, a new food section in the Sunday Herald Sun, and I was reviewing restaurants mm. and um, everything was with the filter of how a consumer sees it and not how a food reviewer sees it or how a right. chef sees it, but how someone who goes in there and is consuming the food would see it and whether it's good value, whether it's um, fun, like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are the flavours like? It's a really and, good angle. And mm-hmm. because I was lucky enough to go into it that way, I've been – I've had an um, amazing longevity in the in the industry, really, because mm. um, if a place was so bad that it attracted a bad review, I just wouldn't review mm. it, and and mm. because they were soon putting themselves out of business anyway. So it, I, yeah, I felt exactly. this because I'd never worked in hospitality; I'd only ever worked in newspapers. So who was I to tell this person 
<laughs> Having yes. said all that, I you know, there's always a place for seriously critical reviews, and and we all love reading mm. them unless we're actually being reviewed. But yes, um, exactly. you know, it's like watching a train wreck when you read those sort of reviews. And I'll and I'll yeah. and I love the fact that they're still around. But um, mm. but at the time, um, that was how I played it, and I did that for a mm-hmm. while. Newspapers just shrank and shrank and shrank, and I was able. I took a redundancy. Um, in about eight years ago, and one of the mm-hmm. columns mm-hmm. that was in my section was called Five of the Best, which was the top five burgers, top five steaks, top five palmers, mm-hmm. all the low hanging fruit. And, um, yes, and I, I took five of the best.com as a URL and just kept doing it oh, wow. and had sponsorship from the likes of Cappy Soda and De Baudley Wine, yeah, right. Cobram Estate Olive Oil, and created my own, um, little baby media empire basically and five of of the best is still going if if any of your listeners want to know what's what's cool Mm -hmm. and what's happening in melbourne but Mm -hmm. um that that's what that's how i was able to transition out of old media into um into into the online space and of course at the same time i was doing reviewing for 3aw along the way did you when you were because you've been a journalist for a a great amount of time. Um, was it was it hard for you in the newspaper game to sort of see subscriptions slowly um, coming down, to be in newsrooms which were losing people, um, and sort of wondering what was going to happen to you? Like, or did you just were you just head down and just continue to go and continue to try and reinvent yourself during that time? It's um, I, I feel as though since I started. Um, at the Geelong Advertiser back in 1986, that mm-hmm. newspapers basically have been contracting since I started, and like we, were, we right. were starting on typewriters and hot metal presses, and there were no mobile phones, <laughs> and it was a really <laughs> exciting time. I sort of tasted what what it was like from yeah. the old days, and and it was an incredible time. But then every every year that went by, media organisa- organisations shrank because we used to be able to do a Tokyo posting or a New York posting. And then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden there was a New York paper that was linked to ours. So we didn't need anyone to be posted there anymore because we just got the media from there. And then, then it was all automated. It was all on computers. So all the typesetters were gone and, Mm. you know, everything's just been contracting and contracting. And then as soon as the internet happened, of course, um, Mm. the rivers of gold disappeared, which were the classified advertisements that paid for everything. Mm. And and so I could feel it happening as I went along. Um, it never really scared me because I, I knew that there was always a need for people to actually get good stories and deliver them in a format that w- was easily read. Yes, of course. Um, and I think, yeah, it's been an interesting time. I feel really fortunate to have started when I did, to have mm. seen all the different phases. And mm-hmm. I also feel very fortunate that I was – um, given a redundancy um, back when I was so that I could get going before the vast majority of journalists found themselves out of a job. So, mm. um, but at the same time, it, you know, you've just got to have a crack. Like you can't just sit and wait for someone to employ you anymore. That's, the, that's no. what's changed in media. You've got mm. to create your own opportunities now because the idea of being an employee is um, it's kind of rare yeah, mm. you're always contracting now. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot of contracting. 
Mm. Was it a hard thing for you to sort of reinvent yourself and do, you know, different things? I mean, obviously having the sponsorship from three great brands at that point as well, like was that was that something for you to that you found hard to go out and get or was that something that was just sort of in your nature? It was, um, it's all about connections. It's all about who you know. Mm. And I'd interviewed all of those people and, and knew <laughs> them. So, um, that, and Pitsy Folk, who owns Cappy Soda, um, yes. he became a great mentor of mine because he was the first person I went to and said, right, I'm going to do this website and it's going to have great tips on where to go and what's great. And, and it'll be also using voices of great chefs and restaurateurs and comedians and TV stars, giving me their top mm-hmm. fives. He's like, yep, that sounds great. How much? And I gave him a price for a monthly sponsorship. And he said, mm-hmm. yes, straight away. So clearly I should have said higher. More. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he saw, he saw in me a means to connect. So the, the, for right. many years, um, the sponsorship included connection to my world, which was saying to a, a very famous chef in Melbourne, um, mm. why are you serving San Pellegrino when we've got perfectly good Australian water? And, and oh, yeah, but they give me a trip to Italy and they do this and they do that. Anyway, <laughs> but I would introduce, you'd have lunch. I'd organise for them to have lunch, Pitsy and very famous chefs. And within, mm. it might have taken a month or a year or two years, but they all, they all ended up <laughs> moving across. So I was connecting people as part of the deal. Right. Which is a, a a business model that's great at the time, but you put yourself out of a job once you've connected people to everyone. Yes. <laughs> so it um, but it worked well for a while. It got me going. Mm. It's a really good. It's a really good idea. Um, so let's talk about the situation the industry's um, now in, and you're obviously close to it from many many different angles. How have you seen the hospitality sort of? cope with the last month and a half um, from your perspective, Wendy? Well, I'm, I'm seeing it as a customer, I suppose, now. It's, mm. it's a, I mm. can't go out and review like I did. Um, mm. And because we're restricted as to where we can go, I can't even go out and check out what they're doing in person. So it's, it's kind of frustrating for me as a reporter to, at yes. this time. Yeah. But all I see, to answer your question, what I see is massive hope like I actually see people pivoting on a pin like they're just so quickly changing business models and giving people what they want so the the people who are in the hospitality industry because they're innately hospitable people and just want to help people and serve people they're the people that are pivoting fast and and doing great things and possibly even finding better, more efficient business models than what they had before as a traditional restaurant or cafe. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm seeing that all over the place. I'm also seeing people who are failing miserably. Yeah. This is the only way that they can keep trading and it's, and it's not necessarily the best fit for them. So it's carnage. It's, it's awful. And at the same time, it's an industry that's held up by overseas workers that, don't have yes. any government protection. So mm-hmm. um, it's like a double whammy because, as you'd know, someone who's worked in, in kitchens, it's like you're in a family when you're in a well-oiled yeah. kitchen. And, and it's, mm-hmm. um, so it, it's, it's really tragic at the moment what's happening out there. But, you know, as, as I've discovered, at, when, when you lose, you know, three months' worth of work in two days, like I did when, <laughs> when everything changed, wow. um, yeah. you it creates a vacuum 
and like mm-hmm. it creates a void and you've got to fill it with something and you find that you actually get even, you get pretty creative when there's nothing else there. Mm. It, yeah, it, totally. it forces you to be creative. Yeah, I totally agree. It's been exciting. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm probably most excited from what um, people like Shane have done with Maha Go and what, um, what Ben Sherry's done with Attica, like uh, here in Melbourne. Like it's just been so impressive to see high level chefs do a completely different format, go and deliver product to people, um, do Instagram live cooking shows. Like it's just, um, it, it, it's surprising because you never thought that you'd ever see anything like that. And now that it's here, it's kind of like, well, when things go back to somewhat normality in inverted commas, like what parts of what is happening now is going to still remain? Do you, do you have any indication of what you would still like to see kind of happening now that you would like to stay? Look, I, I can't wait for my favourite little restaurants to open so that I can go back and sit in them and just absorb the atmosphere mm. and the smells and the tastes and watch them at the past and, and be back there. I can't I actually am physically craving it. it I can't yeah. wait for it to happen again. Um, at the same time, I've been speaking to a lot of chefs and restaurateurs who actually think that this takeaway and delivery model will be something that, that they stay with because it's efficient and and turns coin relatively easily. And mm-hmm. um, and it's also busting up the monopoly of, of Uber Eats and, and those guys and delivery and those sort of platforms that are Big charging platforms. extortionist mm-hmm. rates to deliver. Mm-hmm. Now, now mm. what's happening is little locals are finding their own way to deliver and and actually hiring their staff to to do the runaround, like you know, the mm-hmm. front of house staff, and now become delivery drivers and yeah. and it's yeah. um and it's working and you're getting really personalised service. Um, mm-hmm. Where where I live, um, there's a little restaurant here that it's it's been amazing. They don't just deliver amazing trays of of food they that can be heated up later they also have partnered with fruit and veg wholesalers so that you can order your fruit and veg box as well in the same (laughs) delivery and they they deliver the same day so it's 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 just it's coming back to true customer service and true hospitality and meeting meeting customers where they're at whereas for a Mm. while there and um there's been a, a little bit of a disconnect between hospitality and their customers, um, totally where where yeah. the chefs and the and the restaurant owners became such rock stars and were so fated and so celebrated by everyone from the Australian government, you know, in, in their mm. tourism campaigns to, yeah, totally to media organisations. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of it too. Um, mm-hmm. All the way down to the mums and dads that are watching them on the telly, and like it's they were treated like gods and it's hard not to believe it i suppose and and forget what got you there in the first place which is nourishing and 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 helping and servicing people servicing that's not a great word but you know yeah, you know um, it, you it's yeah. really um it, it really has sat everyone back on their asses and just figure out what it is that they can give people what do you think has do you think it was just the fact do you think the celebrated chef came into the fact of just when you started, you know, food writing with MasterChef and, and 
points like that or even Jamie Oliver sort of 20 years ago and, and the rise of really the cool rock star kind of celebrity chef. Do you think that's where that moment sort of started? Because chefs were always, chefs that were put in media were always usually very experienced in their 50s, quite stale, um, that kind of stuff, didn't have good on-screen presence um, up until sort of the early 2000s. Um, and then it's just sort of evolved and changed what seemed to be um, sort of overnight, right? Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting how it moves so quickly. Yeah, it's very true. It's, um, it has been a golden era for, for chefs who choose to take that path or have found, who mm. have found their, their shtick that has them stand out from the rest. Um, it's been amazing and I've loved, I've been on this ride as well. I can't criticise it, mm. that my job mm. was created originally as the food editor at the Herald, Sunday Herald Sun. It was created as a result of the buzz that MasterChef created that got the notice of a newspaper yeah. editor who, who never dines out and can't really give a flying rats about food but it got his attention <laughs> to the point where let's let's launch an, a whole new food section yeah so it was it was a really it's been a great ride and i think that it will all, there will always be celebrity chefs there will always be chefs that that um that stand out and who who develop mm. a massive audience but they're going to mm-hmm. be getting attention now and they're going to be getting love now when mm. they really genuinely help and and provide service to the to their communities that's they're mm-hmm. the chefs they're going to be the stars now not necessarily the the chefs that are charging three hundred dollars for a for a dinner per head mm-hmm. yeah or just on tv or or whatnot yeah it's going to be it's going to come back to a community feel which i think is um Obviously, a really positive thing. Well, you look at people like um, Scott Pickett, who um, mm-hmm. he's he's a he's a great chef, and he's he's done some amazing fine dining at, at Estelle and yes. and um, Matilda. Um, but now he's he's back on the pans at Estelle, and and they're pumping out trays of really beautiful, wholesome food for Northcote locals to, to swing yes. by and pick up. And he's he's finding what's in the market that day, and thinking, okay, what can we make with this and Trying, doing everything affordably, keeping his staff mm. employed, and he's really pumped. He's got his he's got the bandana tied around his head, and he's doing these <laughs> lives to to Facebook and Instagram, telling his his local customers what they can get that day, and this is what we're cooking. Yeah. Have a look at this. You can't help but be swept along with his enthusiasm mm. and his love mm, for cooking and, and he, he mm. has said to me that he actually feels as though he's got a bit more love for cooking now because of it as well, you know, because it's, it's about mm. producing something out of what you've got. Yeah. It's a, it's a, well, it's just a realization why, um, why you started. Yeah. And I know that's always the reason why I loved baking so much. And I'm sort of happy that um, in some ways I didn't, um, become a, a chef instead at the start was because you got to make a product um, through the night almost in secret and, and you know, have it ready for display for people um, during the morning, during the day, and then see their excitement as they go home with all that for bread, which was always a really, you know, it was always a cool thing. You're always sort of really grounded. Oh, my God, that. and so how was, hot is baking right hmm. now? 
Like every second oh. person's bragging about this oh, auto starter. It's um. <laughs> oh my God, Wendy! I I said on a podcast the other day, and I said I didn't know as a as an ex baker if I was excited or annoyed that so many people think they're a baker. <laughs> so it's um, um, but it is a it is a really cool thing, and I'm I'm glad that people have um welcome bread back into their life. Oh, I think um, people are welcoming really... carbohydrates on mass back into their lives right now, <laughs> which I just think is a wonderful thing. And to allude to what you were saying at the start of the podcast about being a pro eater, my that, that is me. Yes. There's, like I, I refuse to be told that there is a food group that I can't eat. I know that there are certain food groups that make me swell up like a poison pup, but I refuse to not eat it. Right. If I feel like eating it, I'm going to eat it. And I've been rallying right. against this hideous awful movement of cutting out whole food groups for either for health or I know that some people are allergic Mm -hmm. and that it's highly serious and that that's always been the case that's different Mm. so that's why I call myself a pro eater because I encourage people to just try everything and at least once (laughs) I I remember when when the uh when the COVID um started happening and seeing posts of um, empty bread shelves uh, in supermarkets and taglines saying, doesn't look like people are gluten intolerant anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think there's a big difference between gluten gluten intolerance and, you know, celiac disease. I think so we're I think, all a little bit gluten think, intolerant. Let's face it, if we all sit down and eat an entire oh, loaf of bread, you don't feel great afterwards. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the best thing. Yeah, oh, the smell of freshly baked bread. Don't be scared about everyone calling themselves bakers because you know they'll soon they'll soon realise that it's you know they've got they've got a spare five hours to prove their dough and do everything at the moment, but it's not going to last for long. Yeah, I used to I used to love, when I first started baking, um, uh, it was the rise of bread makers and people and people used to say to me, "Oh, Sean, I won't." Um, I won't need you anymore because um, I've got a bread maker. So you'll see, still see me walk past the store, but I won't buy any loaf of bread anymore. I'm like, oh, I'll see you in three weeks. And um, granted, I would see them in three or four weeks' time <laughs> when they got sick of putting their bread in the bread maker overnight. Oh, the and, bread maker, um, like the yogurt maker. Whatever issues. <laughs> oh, God. God. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, anyway, how do you think um, – I think this is a really important question, something I've been mulling over the last sort of – couple of weeks because I know that the when the hospitality industry comes back to actually allowing guests to sit in venues again, I don't believe it's going to be full hog straight away. It'll be done in um, bursts of the amount of people per square metre or uh, a cap on how many people in a venue yeah. and that kind of stuff. So it'll be, a, it'll be a different experience, Wendy. Like how do you think this crisis is actually going to affect and change the customer experience inside hospitality venues when we're eating in? It's, um, it's a really good question and it's something that is almost impossible to predict because it's so unprecedented. Mm. Like there's never been mm. it, like there's never been a situation like this in the history of humankind. Like with the, when there mm-hmm. were plagues in the past, we, we didn't have that, an addiction to eating, going out for pizza every Friday night. We didn't, we didn't do yes. business meetings in restaurants. We didn't have brunch all the time. It wasn't part of yes. our lifestyle. It, it, was, it was completely different, which is why now so many people are obsessing about things like bread and, and, and baking mm. things from scratch. And 
having massive boxes of fruit and veg delivered. It's, it's, they're returning to what life was like before. Like, you know, this is what used mm, to happen. It's a really like good I'm, point. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm nearly 52. I'm old enough to remember what it was like before everyone out for dinner. It's hard to remember. It is hard <laughs> to remember. But even when I was a, but even when I was a kid, Wendy, like we would even ever go out when, like for dinner, when it was a, ce- yeah. a celebration, not yep. twice a yep. week. That's exactly you know, what I like mean. What is happening yep. now, right? So. I, just, I wonder if people are going to go back to those times. I think times. that it'll be more similar to that. It'll be something mm. different, but it'll be mm-hmm. more like those old days when um, it's a real treat to go out, and and it's yes. um, it, look, it'll it'll gradually get back to where it was. I'm sure of it. But in the in the short to medium term, um, it'll be you'll have to have a really good reason to go to a restaurant and have someone else prepare food for you. As well, like there's, yes, there's fear totally out there agree. about other hands being on food. Um, mm-hmm, there's fear mm-hmm. about using other people's crockery and cutlery. You know, it's, it's a real fear. Um, That's a good point. And, mm. you know, the more hands that are on food, the, you know, the, the less safe it is. And whether, whether that's rational yeah. or not, because in Australia where I think mm. we have 26 cases in, in the last 24 hours or something like it's it's yeah, pretty yeah it's not very many it's pretty rare here but mm. it's but fear mm. is a really insipid and disgusting thing and once it's in people's heads it's pretty hard to get them out of it so i think i think perhaps mm-hmm. in melbourne and where i am in the inner north um mm-hmm. i think you know pe- people will be out will be getting out into it on mass and it'll it'll be very very quickly get back to where it was think in general mm-hmm. um it'll mm. be it'll take a long time there'll take be pockets you know what i mean there'll be pockets mm. of australia where people can't wait to get back to having their smashed avocado and they'll be like rats up a drain pipe as soon as things are open <laughs> but the people who who aren't natural totally aren't naturally going out by habit got a reason now mm. to not go and it might also be let's face it like we we're all having work cut back we can't be, we can't keep spending the way we are. Like as as the economy constricts and more people are laid off, um, eating mm. out is possibly, mm. yeah, it's, it's, a it's, it's a real treat. Mm. But yeah. you know, for the restaurants that are delivering what we need as human beings, that you know they're going to survive. They'll they'll keep going. I'm not, I have to say, I'm not a restaurateur. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's like at the cold face. I've, I've seen this as a consumer mm. and I, I can see the, the restaurants yes. that are really flying right now. They're, they're flying on adrenaline and they're going hard at it. Um, the really good ones will be the ones that are able to take the best parts of what they've learned from these last couple of months and turn them into a whole new business model. That they that they're going to be the clever ones. They're going to yeah, they're going to be the extremely clever ones who are just going to pivot and do do really cool things. So I think that's that's obviously a blessing yeah. in this time. Do you think as we as we move forward into you know restaurants being um, we can eat in again and and that kind of stuff and we uh, chefs become more busy, which is a good thing, and start to hopefully come to some profitability. Do you think it's going to slow down the creativity or stop the creativity that we're actually seeing during this time? Because the one positive thing that we're seeing out of this is just 
ideas that are completely left of centre that maybe a chef or an owner has been sitting on for the last two or three years as an idea and a concept and now they're actually trying to prove it out, um, like ready meals or like a, like a retail product or merchandise or anything like that. Do you think, are you, are you not concerned, but do you think the creativity will, will slow? For me, I've, I've felt like this, this whole experience has been an absolute boom of creativity. Like personally, I think, um, Mm. When you're, um, when you have your uh, means of income, when 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 everything you know is certain is ripped away from you, you can either mm. rock gently in a corner with your <laughs> thumb in your mouth, or you can, you can just <laughs> open your mind up and and get creative. And I've I've just loved seeing how people have come up with new stuff, new ideas. Um, different ways of supporting the community as well that aren't as fortunate. Like, you know, the pubs around the place that can't trade as pubs anymore are still cooking meals and, and feeding, feeding yeah. hospital people who, who've lost their jobs and, and have no means of government support. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're thinking mm. about the best places are thinking about how they can keep supporting the industry so that it's there when they get back on their feet again. That's, um, it's been yeah. a lovely level of creativity. As far as product creativity, it's the perfect time to to have a crack at that sort of thing. People are listening. People have got time mm. to look at stuff. People want to actually try new stuff and and they want to support their local businesses. So I think those that are really able to connect to their local community, forget about the big supermarkets mm-hmm. and the big supply chains. It's like, you know, no one's got the time and energy and money to to service that. But if you can do something at a local level and look after your community, they'll they'll look after you. I reckon. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it will just come sort of full circle on that. It'll be a lot more local produce, a lot more people caring about um, their local restaurant or cafe. That's you know supporting a really good team that's underneath them that might be a bit leaner after this crisis, but you know. Um, but does the right thing by their team, does the right thing by their customers and um, all rounders creating a really good experience. How about this, for their idea? So, How about I mean, this for an idea? They might thing. remember you mm-hmm. when you walk through the door, <laughs> right? Oh, my God, they're back. You know, hey, what, you know, they remember how you have your coffee and they remember that you don't like this and that and that's what it used to be like yeah. for, you know, little local places. And it's still like that in a lot of little local places, but we've possibly moved away from that mm. in recent years. What do, you, what, do you reckon it's, what do you reckon it's moved away from that in your opinion? Because they're, they're really cool places that are cool because they look great on Instagram or they've got a, a hot chef or, mm. or they're, um, you know, they've got the, the hot new thing. Um, Yes. buzzing on on social media or as featured on this TV show or um, there's a there's a different kind of fame around food maybe they get in the, they get inside their own head and the ego sort of takes over and the maybe. service takes it back I think I think most people, most people mm. in hospitality are there because they really like seeing people's faces and light up when they eat or drink mm. what they're having and they really like connecting with people and totally. feeding them. And I think it's been swinging back to that slowly. In the, I've noticed in the last couple mm. of years, like 
you know, people who are starting restaurants, chefs that are starting restaurants want their pass to have seats along it so that they can reconnect with their customers and, and hand them a piece of something, yeah. try this, so they get that human yes. interaction. Mm. Um, and you know, having worked yeah, for totally companies great. that have big chains and, and um, that, that sort of thing, you know, where you've got franchises and that sort of thing, that, that ripped the heart out of hospitality because mm. it's, you know, it's impossible to tell your own story. It's it's really really hard. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, when I was a when I was um, uh, when I was with the Bakes of Light, like it was it was slightly easier for me. But when I'm seeing other brands that you know I've had close connections with, um, it's borderline impossible unless you are an extroverted person that really cares about the local community and wants yeah. to get out there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that doesn't oh, doesn't right. always happen. <laughs> Um, last question for you because you're doing you're doing so much stuff. You're doing written stuff with the, um, obviously your normal journalism. You've got your own website. You're on a radio station. You're doing um, the TV now. Um, which one are you enjoying the most, or does it sort of ebb and flow with um, with how having you're feeling, um, like? been a, a a writer for so long? It, it, I, mm. I I suppose I'm. I'm really enjoying not writing right now. <laughs> I still, I still do it. It's like, it's like a, it's like any trade, like a, you know, a chef being able to wield a knife really well. It, it's the same for me with writing. It's just what my trade has been. But um, I dearly love radio. I love the immediacy of radio. I love, I love that, you know, you're flying mm. by the city pants and anything could happen and it's all live. There is a dump button. I've never actually had to use it. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Have you secretly? <laughs> I've never actually to? got myself into a spot where I secretly <laughs> dropped an f bomb or something. I've never actually got got to that point, thankfully. Um, but the, yeah, I love yes. I love radio and, and working at Three AW has, has been a real privilege because it's the biggest. It, it's got the most listeners in in Melbourne, it, possibly audience, in Australia. Yeah. It's mm. got a massive mm. massive rusted on audience, and wow. I know that when I speak about mm. businesses in the hospitality game that. Um, on that station, immediately there's a pickup. So it's, it's a real buzz to be able to help wow. help businesses just by giving them a little, mm-hmm. you know, mention on radio and perhaps interviewing them. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the, today, in mm-hmm. fact, is the first day that um, an online TV streaming program has gone to air called Bread and Butter on, on the ticker platform. Mm-hmm. And um, so Amazing. I'm <laughs> in my 50s now doing screen for the first time, which is huge it's a huge privilege as well because wow. it's um i've basically get to run my own show which is about the business of food and wine and i get to interview people that i yep. admire people that are doing great things and find out what their secret sauce is and and find out um how they're how they're um acting in a really agile way to to survive the current crisis where they see the business going um ask all of those sort of questions and um, it's, I've been, I've, so far I've interviewed four people for the first couple of episodes and there've been some really surprising responses cool. and it just makes me more determined to, to get more people on the show. And hopefully like, like my colleagues in hospitality, hopefully I can be of service by, by putting on people who are, who are inspirational in this, in this dark time to try and yeah. show people that it's possible to, to pivot out of the shit. <laughs> 
Mm. Yeah, totally agree. Are you um with those four interviews you've done so far? Are you are you always surprised where they sort of go? Like where you write down your questions beforehand and and think about what their response is going to be? Are you oh, are you often surprised? You would know what, that you'd have your with set you? questions on where you think conversation's yeah. going to go. It always <laughs> goes off in funny directions mm. and t- throws you off kilter. Mm. It, look, it's really just having a conversation and. That's what got me into journalism in the first place is finding out what people's real stories are. That's the thing that puts that you know gives me goosebumps and makes the hair stand up on my arm when I when I really get to the the nut of a person's story when they light up and they're really talking about what drives them. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's magical, you know, when people are really passionate yeah, about stuff. Totally and agree. um the fact that I'm able to do that as a career is, is a, you know, a massive, massive blessing. Like if I was a religious person, it would be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if you're not, I'm sure it is as well. Um, uh, Wendy, I've really appreciated um, you talking with me today and, and hearing it from a, a totally different perspective, um, but someone who's so learned in, in, the culinary space and the journalism space has been a real blessing, even though um, <laughs> I'm not that religious either. Um, to have you on, have you on the show. What What's the best way that people can connect with you and find out about all the Ooh, amazing? Okay. Things you're doing? Um, well, the my website's fiveofthebest.com. Um, the mm-hmm. thank you. It's really good, by the way. Um, the ticker. Um, right. There's a an app for Ticker TV, or you can go to tickertv.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram, mm-hmm. Wendy underscore Hargraves, and on Twitter mm-hmm. as Wendy Online. Um, and oh, you'll always find me on Facebook. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, it's, uh, look. I'm honestly, I'm not, I'm not too hard to find. I, I'm pretty re- responsive on on social media, so. I'd love to mm-hmm. if people have got stories out cool. there, if people have got amazing stories to tell in the in the food, wine, drink, hospitality space, please let me know. Mm-hmm. You know, come in if you, you know, let Sean know and he can pass on the details if he can't find me because I'm always I'm always looking for great stories in the food and drink space and and um, always open to it. Beautiful. Um, as always, all those links to everything you're doing, which might be quite long, Wendy, is in the <laughs> awesome. bio of this podcast. Um, so you guys can connect with Wendy. So oh, thanks, Wendy, so mine, much for your time. Really Thank appreciate you. it.